Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in collaboration with friends of the podcast London and Capital. Over the next 16 minutes or so, we're going to be discussing ESG. So for those not familiar with the acronym, that stands for Environmental, Social and Corporate Governance. ESG and corporations' own responsibilities in this area is becoming a real challenge to interpret and implement. And it is already having a big impact in the commercial insurance market as some reinsurers and insurers pull out of certain classes of insurance to align with their own ESG objectives while ESG ratings are increasingly finding their way into the conversation regarding underwriting and premium pricing. So what does ESG mean to captives then? What role can they play in their parents' ESG strategy? On the Global Captive Podcast, we are going to be featuring regular content on this topic over the next couple of months. And I'm delighted to say that London and Capital are the first ones up to address ESG through their investment management lens. London and Capital are really advanced in this area and have been talking and executing on this for quite some time. So it was really good to sit down in person, I may add, really good to sit down in person again with Deepan Roy, their Deputy Chief Investment Officer and GCP regulars Shadrach Quaza and Chris DL. To set us off, Shadrach begins with an introduction to ESG and why it is so relevant today. In terms of a definition of ESG, ESG has various and uh, numerous definitions, um, a lot of it depending on who you're speaking to or what the approach to ESG is. The way we would think about ESG is um, it's an investment strategy from an investment perspective. It's an investment strategy that adopts additional investment objectives and aims to achieve a particular positive outcome over and above pure investment returns. Um, now, these outcomes may be very clearly defined, for example, sort of net zero emissions, or they may be more broadly defined, for example, improving living standards. Um, and a lot of this will depend on the approach to ESG. Again, you know, as London Capital, rather than getting bogged down in definitions, because as I said, there are numerous definitions, um, we like to think, we, we think captives should think about ESG in terms of their business and, and their environment in which they operate. Um, th that That is investment strategies that um, seek to aim to directly or indirectly produce positive outcomes for the captive, say, target market, um, parent company, industry, while at the same time generating positive returns. We think that's a more robust um, definition. In, in terms of why this is particularly topical at the moment, um, we think there are a few drivers. One of them clearly is societal and regulatory pressure on companies and on, on, on you know, people and, and people operating in business to do business in a more sustainable way. Um, there's clearly a greater awareness of the impact of um, ESG issues on wider society um, and, and the long-term implications of unsustainable practices. And we think there's now an emergence of opportunities to express ESG views in various ways and especially through investments. Yeah, and we'll come on to how it's all going to kind of link up with captives and, and their parents uh, later on in the discussion. But uh, Deepan, first of all, welcome to the Global Captive Podcast, your first time uh, coming on. How does um, an ESG strategy practically differ from a traditional investment strategy? 
Thank you. So I think it uh, depends primarily on the investment horizon. So ESG is a long-term factor in determining the risks and hence the returns of institutional investors. For an asset manager like London and Capital to have a long-term investment strategy, it's um, essential that ESG risks are considered in the analysis, the financial analysis, whether it be for credit or equities. And ultimately, it is common sense that a company which has environmental risks or poor governance or questionable social practices will have those risks reflected in their uh, financial performance as well. So in the short term, you can have ESG investments having periods of outperformance or underperformance relative to the traditional market benchmarks. To that extent, it's no different from any of the other factors like value or growth or momentum. We know from theory as well as practice that these factors have cycles. And um, in the long term, we believe that uh, they can add value to the portfolio. And I think that's the way we like to think of uh, ESG as well at London and Capital. So uh, bearing in mind your commercial insurance as a CIO uh, background, Deepan, how are the commercial market insurers thinking about ESG now in in their portfolios? I think that um, ESG has been gaining increasing prominence in the insurance industry over the past decade, perhaps even longer, um, given the overlap of the areas of concern like environmental risk with uh, the business for uh, commercial insurers. But things have particularly come to the fore since the pandemic, um, as environmental issues came to the center stage, as uh, the climate crisis and the climate protests um, gathered uh, pace. And this also coincided uh, with a period of large outperformance for the ESG strategies in the markets. So currently, uh, the boards as well as the executive management at most large insurers have acknowledged the importance of ESG within their investment portfolios. And they have been looking to implement ESG within their investments in various forms. So the first step is to define what their ESG policy is. So what are they looking to achieve? What are their organizational values, their investment beliefs? And how does that fit in with their ESG um, objectives and policy? And then the next step is to decide how to implement that policy into their asset allocation, their risk analysis, their investment analysis, their uh, manager selection process. So essentially all parts of the investment process. And there are a variety of um, implementation options. So you can be ESG aware, you can have ESG based exclusions, um, ESG engagement, ESG integration. So there's no one size fits all kind of solution. It uh, really depends on what the board and the senior management believe in and what they want to uh, do and where they want to be on that ESG spectrum. Yeah, no, really interesting. Good to, good to hear that backstory. So Shadrach, obviously compared to commercial insurers, captives are by definition often very private entities. They're often, but not always, smaller than their commercial insurance kind of cousins, uh, so to speak. So how can how can all this and you know, what Deepan just described there regarding how commercial insurers have approached it, how can that apply to captives and, and how can captives move to a more ESG aware investment strategy? 
Again, you know, a very a very good question and relevant question, and and a lot of it I think Deepan has actually answered. Um, but from a commercial uh, insurance perspective, one of the things that is clear that captives can do that they can borrow from their commercial cousins is that approach of looking at ESG as something to apply to themselves. And what does ESG mean for me as a captive, rather than? You know, taking for example the ESG strategy of an investment manager or a consultant. You know, it's, it's captives need to understand what ESG means for them, and in that way they can then move to an ESG, a more ESG aware strategy in a in a almost seamless fashion. So, so for example, captives should be asking themselves questions like, you know, what kind of ESG risks and opportunities exist out there? You know, what ESG risks are, are we exposed to as a captive and what correlations, for example, exist between our liabilities and, and the sort of things that we underwrite and the asset side um, of, of their balance sheet. And in delving into these questions, the captives will then have a clear understanding of what ESG means for them and then now able to implement a strategy that's relevant and would produce outcomes that in directly impact on them as as the captive matures i think you know a, a lot of this can be very theoretical but you know let's t- think about it from a tangible perspective um a, a good example is dndo cover so director directors and officers cover um you know this is something that's commonly written by captives and for various reasons it's moved even more into the yeah, captive increasingly written by captives exactly it's, it's it's moved more into the captive sphere than than it has in the past um so if I, if i'm a captive underwriting dndo cover one of the things i'll be thinking about from an ESG perspective is are there any correlations between the the risks I'm underwriting, the the DNO cover I'm underwriting for my parent, and the type of companies um, that are sitting in my assets in in within my assets. So are there correlations between, you know, say say a controversy occurred, would that be reflected in my in my um, investment? So are there companies there that would suffer losses are the sub, the supply chain in which we operate the the stakeholders in that we deal with in the wider market are there correlations that exist there and if so what can us as a captive do to minimize those correlations so that would then take the captive to the next step where they'll be working actively with their asset manager to develop develop guidelines that reflect that view so either limiting investments or you know managing risk in in one way or another and in that sense if a large claim for example happened a large dando claim they, they there will be at least some level of protection in the sense that even though they're paying out on this large claim hopefully there won't be that same sort of losses yeah. reflected in the liabilities and and that's the kind of thinking we think captives can borrow from their um, commercial cousins and apply to them in in sort of this process of becoming more esg aware What's really interesting there, uh, Shadrach, is when I, and this might be my lazy ignorance or naivety, but with ESG, I always think green. Yeah, ESG, people always just think green, 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 environmental, and you kind of forget about, not forget about, but I think the societal and governance issue maybe is overlooked. And what you described there in relation to DNO actually just sounds like smart investing. It doesn't sound, of course, there's, there's a social good element, and there's, but it's just smart investing by the sounds of it, which you'd think captives should be thinking about anyway if they're paying attention with, with their investment portfolios. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I'd take it even one step further. I, I, I would describe it not only as smart investing, but just smart managing of a captive. You know, So you're, you're thinking about the risks underlying the captive, not just from an investment perspective. You're thinking about ESG not just as an investment topic, but really as a risk management tool for the entire organization. And that's, I think, the thinking that needs 
needs to be developed in the captive world and that has developed a bit more sort of maturely and the more sort of commercial side of, of the insurance industry. So, um, Chris, Shadrach's spoken, you know, very clearly there about what it means for the captive and how a captive can or sh- can or should approach uh, an ESG investment strategy. And, he, and he's spoken very much as a captive, as, as, a, as a kind of unique uh, independent entity, which they are, of course, but they're also part of a larger group, the parent, which is probably the ultimate person in control of the captive and should be steering it to some degree. Can and should captives be aligning their ESG investment strategies with the parent company's wider objectives who might, of course, already have their own ESG strategy? Yeah, I mean, straight off the bat, I can tell you this is going to be the cop-out answer, isn't it, of the, of <laughs> yes the, of no. the, short, aunt, of the short episode here. Um, I mean, it all depends on the captive, how much time they've been thinking about ESG, what the parents' objectives are, what the parents' attitudes are around this. But yeah, you're, you're quite right to pick out that there's two distinct questions there to answer. One is, can it be done? And second, should it be done? So for captives, I mean, they're, they're wider their parents sort of wider objectives or ESG policies or, or however we want to frame it might might naturally have an impact on their ESG investment strategy. That influence can come in the form of, you know, uh, I guess a more subtle influence like the parent company management sitting on the captive's board, or it could be, you know, uh, I guess quite a top-down approach where actually they're being told you need to implement an ESG policy. By the way, here's one that we've done earlier. So, um, so I think... You know, there's also the, there's also a feedback loop here to, to to incorporate, which is you know, is your captive you know do more formal reporting up into the group around um, monitoring ESG issues and things like that. So, can a can a captive reflect that? Can a captive um, sort of implement implement ESG in a way that that reflects those objectives? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what what risks your parent company are exposed to how ESG is correlated to that or impacted by that as Shadrach's already pointed out is there a way to mitigate some of those risks by allocating capital a bit more wisely um, these are all sort of the questions that need to feed into into that into that equation um, but fundamentally yes captives can they can they can reflect these objectives into their own investment guidelines they can reflect it into the investment process that Deepan's already laid out um, I mean, I know Deepan was talking about commercial insurers, but but captives should be thinking about their investment process in a similar way. Are my managers aligned with me? Are they actually delivering me what I need um, in my portfolio and things like that? Whether they whether they should or not, I think that that's a different that's that's another question to to answer. And I think from an ESG perspective, if if the captive world is heading towards this sort of, I guess the the ESG approach that we see in the commercial insurance world, then they may well need to be taking a more active approach to ESG investing. Um, in response simply to regulatory pressures. Um, so if you're going to have to put an ESG policy in place, then why why wouldn't you align it to uh, to what your parent is, is doing as well? Um, admittedly, I think the regulatory pressure thing isn't isn't the driving force today, but but I think um, for those who want to adopt a more uh, sort of active approach to ESG investing, then I think speaking to your parent company, understanding what their goals are, it makes makes uh, sort of a natural partner, I guess. The obvious example is there are a lot of big corporates now in the US that are declaring they're going to be net zero by whatever year it is, 2020, 2030, 2035, whatever sort of uh, year they're picking out. How can a captive contribute to that? Yeah. Surely there's got to be ways. And even if they're not actively contributing or don't feel like they can actively contributing, you holding an oil company in, in your investment portfolio is 
probably going to be a bit uncomfortable for the CFO when he's up there uh, talking on the earnings and his reports. Yeah, and, and there's something we can't go into detail just yet, but uh, GCP will be exclusively revealing uh, a particularly interesting kind of ESG initiative by one of the large captive managers in the next couple of months, we hope, uh, which goes into exactly that, Chris, without giving away too much, that what role can the captive play in helping their parent reach its own ESG objectives, not just following the parent, but actually prompting maybe funding ESG initiatives at group level, a bit like a risk bursary would, probably said too much already. Uh, so we'll leave that there. But Shadrach, just because finally then, I think we've touched on this already, you know, do you see an ESG strategy as being restricted to, obviously London Capital are, you know, specialists in asset management, investment management. Is, it, is this discussion restricted to investment portfolios or is there a wider context which you're particularly interested in? Um, yeah, I, I think from my perspective, and I think this is shared by, you know, London Capital, we, as much as we are an investment manager, we see um, ESG as, as a broader um, risk management tool. You know, I describe it more as an operational and sort of asset liability management um, discussion rather than just a purely investment discussion. Um, and this, this goes outside the realm of um, investment management only because the, we, we feel the most effective way of applying um, ESG, ESG strategies, you know, ESG aware strategies is by, you know, linking that back into the liabilities and not just the liabilities, but the whole purpose of the, of the captive. So, you know, linking back to the parent, linking it back to the environment in which they operate, um, you know, their goals as, as an organization. So that we think is the most effective way to bring about this whole sort of ESG evolution over time. Um, and, and I think, I think at least with the discussion that we've had with some captives that the the sort of conversation has evolved beyond you know just talking about investment but more along the lines of how can we use ESG as an additional tool to be a better captive um, and be more effective in, in in what we're trying to do and you know so, some for some captives it'll be you know a bit more complicated but for a lot of captives you know who have clear um, um, objectives and clear things they're trying to achieve as an organization you know we believe by speaking to their managers by thinking about ESG in a more aware uh, fashion that by that I mean by thinking about it more deeply and beyond just the investment side of things by linking it back into their liabilities and what they're trying to achieve you know th there's better outcomes you, you think about the health health insurance side so if, if you're a captive underwriting health insurance you know you probably have very stringent things that put in place to ensure that you know the people who are coming into the captive who you are underwriting health for um, meet certain criterias whereas you know if you're if you're applying that same philosophy on the asset side you know why not think about positive things that you can you can invest in for example um, I don't know telemedicine or you know advanced diagnostics you know things that over time will impact on your claims um, I think that's the kind of thinking we're trying to to bring about and evolve here that how can we use this investment to achieve the long-term goals rather than sort of a tick box in the short term So thank you to Deepan Roy, Shadrach Kwaza and Christy L for what was a fantastic introduction to ESG in the context of captives and investment strategies and I think lots of food for thought for our listeners as well. As I said at the start, ESG is an area we're going to be focusing on a lot more for the second half of the year. We've got a few other episodes planned, some exclusive information to reveal and I expect we'll be continuing that conversation you know onwards and onwards as it is only going to become more relevant in commercial insurance and by extension and necessity for captives if you want to find out more information on london and capital
capital are guests and previous episodes they have featured in the place to go is their friend of the podcast page on the globalcaptivepodcast.com website i will put the links as well in the episode show notes in the meantime stay safe stay well and see you next time captives Mm -hmm.